What's going on, guys? Today, we're going to be interviewing Virginia Munden on the John Papaloni Show. Virginia, welcome to my show. Thank you, John. I'm so excited. First of all, I have to ask you a question. Absolutely. How long have you been doing these podcasts? Because you've been pretty consistent with them. I was uh, in it for about three years, but three years, maybe three and a half, something like that. Three and a half years, maybe. I, th I started, I think, in two, 2018, I think it was. Awesome. Um, but I wasn't consistent in the beginning, and I started off once a month. Mm -hmm. And um, then I got a, a coach uh, about in 2020. Okay. Um, in 2020, I got a coach, and um, from there on, I started being um, a, a, a lot more consistent. Or should I say, nice. I got actually a coach, of, a coach in December 2019. So right. from January 2020 till today, I've been uh, I've never missed a beat. Nice. You know what I mean? Like so. Uh, I love hearing that, and I love that you are consistent. So congratulations, and thank you for having me as your guest today. Absolute pleasure. I'm uh, super excited about this. I'm, as you know, I usually start off my podcast with a bio of who you are, what you do, and how you got into it. Thank you so much. Well, as you know, I'm a licensed realtor at Royal Page. I I don't sell real estate, but I have in the past. I mean, I've I've been licensed for almost three decades, and I basically run the back end of my husband's real estate team, which is Munden Realty Inc. And Wayne is, uh, you know, one of my mentors in the industry. Mind you, he always says I'm his mentor. So we have a, a good 50-50 balance here. But, you know, we've, we've been uh, plugging away for over three decades or almost three decades in changing economies, in changing technologies and in, in changing membership. Um, and it's always been, you know, a pleasure and an exciting evolution to, to transition during all of these different markets over the years. Um, I, I transitioned, uh, you know, a, a little over 12 years ago into coaching and development. And that was really great. It took me all over the world, uh, training and developing and speaking at conferences uh, in almost 13 countries with Remax. And uh, a little over 10 years ago, we started with conferences because I was so passionate about the networking component of our business and attending conferences across Canada, in the United States, and as well in, uh, in, in Europe. So that else has allowed me to build networks globally, internationally, with people I would have never thought uh, would be paramount in my personal evolution as an entrepreneur or a real estate agent. Um, and then the bus conference is something that we've created over the last uh, two and a half years, uh, specifically during COVID, when we evolved into the digital space from a live conference. And that just took off. It just created something on its own. And as you know, we've, you know, you've always attended our digital conferences, but it was nice to meet you personally at our live conference this past uh, March 30th, 2022 at Recharge 2022. And that, that event hosted almost, uh, you know, I'm going to say almost 1200 realtors. And we had special guests from Europe, from Switzerland, from Miami Beach, from New York, from LA, San Fran, 
and Toronto, all across Canada. So I was really pleased and proud of the turnout, um, as, and especially uh, with the number of sponsors who supported the work that we did uh, for the Canadian real estate industry. So that's just a little bit about me. I'm super passionate about this industry. I love the new generation realtor that is entering our industry. I love everything they're doing. I'm paying close attention to how they build their brands and, and their businesses using uh, technology and social media. And uh, some of them are now getting into small event group strategies. So yeah, that's all part of what we're doing and pushing the real estate industry forward. I think everyone from our leaders at the association, brokerage, real estate board levels, whether they're a CEO, um, a president, a vice president, all the way you know, down to your um, realtors and team leaders and admin and partners, strategic partners. Um, we all make real estate great. We make Canadian real estate world class. So we, I don't discount anyone. Uh, I think we all have something to offer to Canadian real estate. And I'm equally um, proud of the work that we do when it comes to diversity and inclusion and equity and belonging. That's the foundation of the BUS Conference. And we are recognized as bringing all different communities from whether it's the LGBTQ community um, together in Canadian real estate, we support and share everyone as, as part of making real estate great. So that's a bit about me in what, less than five minutes, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Now, here's the thing with uh, with the Buzz Conference. I remember I was actually there in the one in, I think it was 2019 before COVID. Oh, cool. Yeah, 220, uh, 2020. 2020. Yeah, we had one in 2020, January 2020. And yeah, that was before the uh, lockdown started. I, you know what? We've been in this COVID thing so long. I, I kind of forgot right? when the actual shutdown day was. I but, agree um, with you. I feel the same. But yeah, so I remember going to the first one. And I, and I didn't know it was going to go. Like a, a colleague of mine at the time, uh, you know, I said, hey, I'm going to the bus conference. Are you going? I'm like, well, what is that? Right? Like, so then I looked it up and I'm like, okay, you're going. I'm going to go. And wow, that like the first one blew me away. Right. Like, and, and it was just like, you know what I mean? Like it was not something I was expecting. I didn't know what was going on. And, and, and you know what, just the information that's given, you know, like it's, it was incredible. And then, you know, then we got into the lockdown and it was like, okay, now what? And then yeah. I love how you went virtual. You, you kept it alive. It didn't, you know, there's so many people that just put everything on pause and, you know, I think that's the worst thing you can do. And, yes. and you know, and, and I, the last one, like, I got to tell you the last one, was a whole new level it's like you took it to the next step you know so absolutely congratulations on you for that thank you thank you we had a lot of great feedback uh, most of the feedback came from realtors in our industry and brokerage level uh, leaders as well as associations as you know aria is one of our biggest uh, sponsors and supporters we love tim hudak and his leadership team and a quick sh you know special shout out to luigi uh, favaro who is the head of partnerships at ARIA. Um, they just believe in the work we do and that makes us want to move forward with new initiatives each time. And again, as mentioned, we don't say no to anyone. We love bringing in people from different age groups, cultures, backgrounds, genders. It's, 
our industry is so diverse right now. I'm so proud of the work that everybody's doing to bring everyone together. And we're just one of those small components who are doing it too. Which I love that. I mean, it's like you, you share the same view of things that I do and the way that I look at things through the eyes of abundance. Yes. Right? Where there's too many people out there, scarcity and all like, oh, you're my competition. Like, yes. no, right. you don't even talk to the same people. <laughs> I know. I know. Our industry is so big, uh, but yet it, it is very small. So we have to be very careful that we don't, you know, tear down those bridges. We have to keep those bridges intact with Korea has over 140,000 members. And from Korea, the, the Ontario Real Estate Association is one of the largest under Korea. They're over almost 88,000 members. And then TREB has almost 66,000 of those members. And then all the other real estate boards across Canada have, um, you know, have lower amounts. But if you think about those three associations, the, the biggest part is here in Ontario. It is very big but our connections are still so, so close. So we have to continue uh, building those relationships, be respectful, uh, be ethical and professional amongst each other and uh, pay closer attention to, to the, what's driving our industry right now. For sure. And right now it's like, it's, we, we had a, what, 122,000 transactions last year. Mm. So it's kind is of that, crazy. Is that the number? Yeah. It was I, around there. It was, I, I'm not sure the exact, but is, it was roughly. Was that Treb or Korea? Was that a Treb or a Korea um, stat? I believe it was in Ontario. Ontario. I'm going to take, I'm going to actually research that. That's a great number to, um, to create a post on. What was that number? 120,000? Yeah. Roughly around there. It was 120, 122. Yeah, it was around I that area. Confirm that. That's amazing. Can you imagine? So, well, well well, that's what happened. Like when I got in my first year, it was around that. Then we were on a steady decline. Right. And from that point on, it was steady decline, decline, decline. And COVID hit and it started going the opposite way. Right. But yet we kept saying we have no inventory. It's not that right. we had no inventory. We were just selling out faster than they were coming on. Exactly. That's a, that's a, a fact for sure. We've got... Canada has over 411,000 newcomers coming into our country um, every single year for the next five years. And I remember we had an immigration um, lawyer on one of our virtual events and the three top countries at that time were China, India, and Nigeria. And I, you know, now we're starting to see trickling in from Russia and the Ukraine. So Canada is open for business. Uh, it's, I, I really believe that our immigration is what's fueling um, the energy of the Canadian real estate industry. But the fact is that we still don't have uh, an abundance of housing that is available. And I know Aria always has things in place uh, and they're communicating with us on the affordable housing issues. Um, and, and as well as an expansion um, on the outskirts of the GTA to the smaller, well, actually they're not even smaller, they're just communities on the outskirts, whether it be London or Hamilton or Guelph, uh, you know, Kitchener, Waterloo, expanding communities where people, you know, transition from the GTA, you know, they'll sell high or in Oakville, they'll sell high Mississauga, and then they'll move somewhere where they can find something that is a little more reasonable, reasonably priced and put some money in their bank account. 
right? So, I mean, those are all things that are on the topic of discussion right now when I'm speaking in, in specific circles. Uh, but I have seen a decline in listings. Um, but I have still seen some properties sell over asking price, not as much as we saw in, a, in January to March, April, but we're still seeing a few um, multiple offer situations take place for how long? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's kind of surprising because I haven't seen that myself, but I've heard it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm seeing more and more of price decrease. Yes. Anything, right? We're seeing we're seeing that too. There, you know, here's an example. There was a property listed here in Oakville for one two, or maybe one two nine nine. All right, so around there, one two one three. It didn't sell in thirty days, so they took a price reduction down to one one. All right. Okay, it was one three. Now I know one yeah. two nine nine took a price reduction to one one, and sold for almost one five. Wow. So go figure, right? The market surprises us in so many different ways. And what really bothers me as someone who's worked this industry for three years is when the media puts out or spits out, I call it, their interpretation of our market without actually working in our market, I, I sometimes get offended because they're not working in, they're not working Canadian real estate. They're not engaged with the realtors or the real estate boards or the brokerage level. So I'm not sure where they're getting some of their information from. Um, stuff when it's shared through the Bank of Canada regarding interest rates, et cetera, inflation, that stuff I believe and we have to educate ourselves often, as often as possible now because change is so swift. But getting back to the media, there's really no need for realtors to recycle their interpretation of what the media puts out because we're not, you know, economic strategists. We're not no. financial gurus. Um, I always say, you know, leave that information to the Bank of Canada or to mortgage brokers, um, economists, et cetera. We, we should just be concentrating on our local real estate markets, what's good for our consumer. Um, you know, we should be sharing data and, st and stats that is hyper-local uh, and forget about everything else. Everything else. We, we just should not be interpreting media that way. And, and, unless it's information that comes directly from our local real estate boards, because those are facts. And those are the only facts that we should be sharing within our, um, you know, database of consumers, whether they're buyers or sellers or investors or, you know, potential uh, clients that, you know, might get into the um, selling and buying processes in the near future. Right. Now, see, I have my own take on the media, if you want to hear it. <laughs> yes, I do. Tell me. What's, what, what, what's, what are your thoughts? So let's face it. The media is just there to get audiences. They don't really care. Like the quality of news has downgraded over the years. Now I it's agree. just about getting it out there and less about what is checked and what is not checked. And now COVID has made the media even more dangerous than before. And I know you're going to say, uh, how does a virus or whatever make it more dangerous? Because they just knew how to be negative. They yeah. didn't understand fear mongering. Now the government has taught them how to take their negativity to the next level. Right. And now they got a tool 
that, you know, woe was me and they know how to use it. So it's constantly making people panic. And they didn't know I that agree. before. I right. Agree. So because you notice every piece of news. Oh, my God, it's the end of the world. Right. Right. Like it's like, let's be honest, like look at interest rates. People are saying, oh, market's going to crash. You know, everyone's going to lose everything. But the reality right. is, let's be honest. When we got a mortgage or whoever got a mortgage from 2019 or 2021, 20, 22, they were under the stress test. So they've already deemed that you can afford it at five and a quarter. And we're only right. at 4.7. Right. right. You know what I mean? So it, it was already deemed that you could afford it. Right. Now, but, the only, but the only caution about that, John, I have to say, is I'm not sure first time home buyers or any buyer really understood the implication, you know, did a bank or a mortgage broker or mortgage agent actually say to that client, listen, in the event your rate increases from 2.25, 3.5 to six and a quarter, you will be able to afford a home. Your payment will jump from X amount of dollars, you know, to this, new amount in the event our rates change i don't believe that i could be wrong but i just i just can't see it i think um a lot of people who bought their properties over the last one to two years are in it for life these are homes that they're going to be living in and improving upon and enjoying for uh you know one to five year to come i think once these interest rates change and I'm told from a mortgage broker, a very reputable mortgage broker here in Oakville, that there's over 300,000 homes that are coming up for mortgage renewal in the next six months. These are mortgages over a million dollars that were locked in uh, at or even some variable rates between, you know, 3.25 or no, sorry, 2.25 to 3.5. And those renewals are going to come in the next six months. So I'm looking to pay attention to that. I want to see what's going to happen with some of those mortgage renewals. I, I, I think uh, the consumer, the homeowner that bought in a really high market where they may have overpaid in a bidding ward, I think they're going to have to stay put for a while. I don't think anybody should panic. Um, real estate is always going to be healthy here in Canada. Remember, we have 411,000 newcomers coming every single year here. There's always a need for people to buy home. People are, are getting married. People are sizing down. People are moving out. You know, there's young singles that really want to get into home ownership so they look at pre-construction opportunities and there's amazing pre-con opportunities all across Canada so housing is something that when you buy it the investment is there so what your you know prices are coming down it's like going to a grocery store and one day sugar is 199 and the next day it's you know 799 it's all for me it's it's irrelevant but it is relevant we just have to pay attention we have to we have to uh, see how it affects our personal li uh, living processes and we have to make changes accordingly. And it's always great to stay in touch with your mortgage broker, your bank and your real estate agent. Anyone that, like I said, that bought a home over the last two years should be calling their realtor today to find out the current market value of their property today because our industry and pricing and values is they're changing swiftly my yeah. personal opinion 
Absolutely. Now, here's the other thing, right? Like, I always say that real estate is the best investment because, look, at worst case scenario, you just don't move. That's as simple as it is. As right. it is, like our mom it, and dad, like our mom and dads, right, John? Yeah, exactly. Like, right. and that's the thing, right? You just don't move. Now, if it takes five years, it, it will come back. This is a cycle, and it's a cycle that's been happening for the last hundred years, I right? Agree. That that we can trace and track, and you know, like. So, with that being said, if it's not the right time to sell, then don't. It's that's really right. that simple. Um, I think the person who's going to be affected is the ones with the rental unit and because they won't be able to cash out. The point of a rental unit is when you cash out, you cash out with maximum dollars. But at the end of the right. day, you're collecting cash flow. So does it matter? Yeah. Right? Like as long as you don't have that negative effect, it's not that big of a deal. And even when you do cash out, I guarantee that you'll end up with more money than you started. So you're still ahead. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Right. And there's yeah. still, you know, and, and, and again, you know, just to go back to the last, the last couple of markets, uh, specifically January to March of this year, you know, all high, all time high um, values, the seller was winning, but we both know the sellers can't always win. You know, you, I mean, they can maintain equity and property value and quality of life. But there also has to come a time when the buyers are going to benefit from a real estate market. And this is the time for anyone that locked into a mortgage rate over the last 90 days before they, you know, before those rates die, they should really hop into um, a, a, an opportunity to buy uh, an investment property, a condo, a pre-construction or, or a home now. This is the best time. Property values have come down a bit. I've seen them, um, but their rates are still low. So before that new rate possibly can come in mid-July, uh, if it does come, I say buy before then, then wait. Absolutely. Well, that's saying buy real estate and wait, right? Exactly. Yeah. And if you're looking for a realtor and you're watching this, you can call, uh, you know, myself or Virginia. <laughs> right. Uh, what, what, what markets do you specialize in? Are you still out in... Um, um i live out in grimsby but believe right, it or not yeah, i do I, i'm quite spread out mm -hmm. like i'll get because i was born and raised in etobicoke right so i still have a bulk of customers there right um i was pretty hot in oakville burlington for a while more burlington i know we remember seeing oh my gosh john's here john's here john's here <laughs> yeah 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 and then um and i do well in brantford nice. now yes I've done, I also do well in the Niagara region, but that's because I live in the Niagara region. Uh -huh. What I can't seem to conquer is my own backyard. Mm. I live in Grimsby and the least amount of sales were in Grimsby. Right. It's, What's the population in Grimsby right now? I believe it's about 35,000. 35,000. Yeah, we're but, over 200,000 in Oakville. Yeah. Well, the thing is with Grimsby is they're very community-based. Uh -huh. And, you know what I mean? And it takes a while to become one of the community. You know what I mean? Like, so I've only been here for three and a half years. So I it's one of those things. I think your time is coming to own your neighborhood. So it I, is, it is. Because now I'm starting to, uh, I'm starting to be recognized in grocery stores and donut nice. shops. And so it, it's starting to happen, but it took a long time. Yes. You know, like it's, yeah. uh, it is what it is. I mean, like, I also believe in going the area, you know, through areas, you know, right. Yes. Like I, I believe if you don't know, you shouldn't be going. Like somebody uh, in my office once asked me, where's water down? And no. my answer to him was, if you don't know where that is, you should definitely not be servicing it. 
Right. <laughs> and I right, remember like, when, yeah, I remember when I got into the business in my first year, I mean, I only did three rentals in my first year. I think I spent more on marketing dollars than I did making, you know, an income. But I remember paying attention to some of the strongest leaders in our industry at the time. Uh, Loretta Finney, um, yeah. uh, Michael Reagan. And, you know, there was some amazing, amazing um real estate professionals back in, in, you know, almost 30 years ago that were doing hyper local geographical farming. And where I thought, you know, people get into real estate, it's like, I'm going to be a luxury real estate agent, I'm just gonna, you know, sell luxury real estate millions of dollars, I'm going to drive a fancy car. And I was like, you know what, that is, that's no way to start the foundation of your business. So what I did was I picked the least expensive townhouses in Port Credit, uh, Cothra and Atwater. And they were around like 200 to 250, but they were newer. So I like the fact that it was a new development. And at that time, there was about 300 units. And within two years, they expanded to about 450 units. And all I did for the, fir- for the second year of uh, being in the industry is I pounded the pavement. I like, I used to print like back in the day where we didn't have social media or marketing, um, you know, companies uh, or marketing strategists, you know, we used to make our own flyers on the computer at, at the office and just photocopy them at the office, fold them and deliver them. So I did that for a year. So within one year, it was so incredible that I owned that, townhouse development i was the listing agent of every every townhouse that was listed uh and then there was an opportunity to move them up to a detached house in that market as well and i got so busy that's when wayne ended up joining me in the business and we were just selling townhouses left right and center you know up to i think it i think by the second year, we were over 50 sales in just that townhouse development or in that pocket. And that's what led to our success is being hyper local and hyper focused on a smaller area, geographical farm area. And once you become so well known and renowned in that pocket, for achieving success for those home sellers and buyers, then you can start to expand out in that geographical farm. So for anyone that is newer in the industry that's stuck is be that hyper local agent and own uh, an area of four to 500 homes. That's how you're going to become highly recognized um, in your community. Absolutely. And that's a great tip. I believe in niche marketing. In fact, to be honest, once I started niche marketing, that's when I started doing the uh, best. Yes. Um, Like right now, believe it or not, 60 to 70% of my business is agent to agent referral. It's uh, it's something that worked for me. You know, you've created a brand. John Papaloni is not is not a person anymore. It's a brand and you work for the brand. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And that's the thing. That was the hardest thing, uh, you know, for me because I I wouldn't accept it. I was going to be everything for everybody. And the more I tried to be everything, the worse I got. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was uh, it's definitely important to niche down like that. Now, I mean, I did a a deal with you guys and uh, I mean, through Wayne. And I'll be honest, that was a very big learning lesson for me. Oh, right. I was like in a positive way. Yes. Right. So uh, he had a great experience with you. I know. 
Oh, I, I wish it was better. And I, I mean, on my part, but because hence why I learned something, uh, but I, I give people the benefit of the doubt. And sometimes I, I, I don't uh, double check or I didn't back then. Right. So I, I got caught on a couple of things off guard, not, you know, being surprised. Yeah, um, like I said, it was we, a positive. All, we all learn from each other, right? No matter if you're in the business 30 years or two years, I find that this, like I, I mentioned earlier, this younger generation is so on point, so in tune with, uh, you know, marketing direction and, and social media strategies. We learn so, so much from them. But I think now that we're heading into a changing economy and changing markets, I think there's a lot of things that, you know, they haven't experienced over the last few years. They haven't done price reductions. They haven't um, had cancellations. They haven't had suspensions. They haven't had listings sit on the market for 60, 90, 120 days, right? These are all things that are going to be new scenarios for them. I, you know, I remember having a listing for almost 300 days, you know, once it was a very difficult property to sell, but in the end we did, we did sell it. Um, but, you know, this is this is a time when we should be educating ourselves, take a designation, create, uh, you know, a, a networking group where where you meet up with, you know, four five, six agents and talk about the things that are happening and how you can each help each other. Maybe each one has something to share that will help their individual businesses. But, you know, this is this is a changing time when realtors have to be prepared. There is nothing more emotional or vulnerable than sitting across the table from a client, a seller who needs to sell. I'm talking who needs to sell and actually paying attention and listening to their reasons, whether it be a divorce, um, you know, um, you know, loss of a job, a child who's become ill, a parent who's become ill, and they have to sell. These aren't times when we're going to be texting and sending a one-line email without a hello, how are you, um, you know, be in touch, Virginia Munden, that we need to be communication and listening experts right now. And we need to meet our clients live. DocuSign has taken all personal relationships away. And I think if you do have an opportunity to sit across the table from a client, I'm going to encourage you all to take that opportunity. It is a beautiful experience. And I miss those days. For sure. For sure. Like here, we're beyond the days now of just throwing something on the MLS and having the house sell itself. Right. Right now, it's like you said, the interaction with our agents may be the reason your sales and the one across the street doesn't. Because right. sometimes people come across and they only have time to see one or the other. And they might have had their eyes set on the other. But sometimes mm. with the relationship that you build with another agent, they may turn around and say, hey, I know this guy and he's very easy to work to work with. Mm -hmm. We might have a better experience that we should go look at that house since they're pretty much the same house. Let's check this one out first. Right. And sometimes all that all, that's all it takes. They come into your house, look at it and say, you know what? I'm satisfied with this. I like this house and I'm not I don't care if I'm on the south side or the north side. So let's put in an offer. And that right. relationship sometimes is what makes that deal. Oh, I, I agree with you. That's probably my most favorite word, relationships and networking. Those are my two favorite words uh, in, in, in real estate. And trust comes from both of those. 
Uh, the more yes. people trust you, the more they'll want to work with you, and the more they'll refer you if you've created that solid experience of value in protecting their equity and, and their quality of life. Real estate is, like you said, it's more than just putting a sign on a lawn. Absolutely. It's a, it's a deeper process, and it's, we've, become, we've become more vulnerable and emotional in the real estate ex, um, experience, I believe. 100%. See, I don't believe we're a, what we call ourselves real estate agents, mm. but I believe we're more like relationship agents. I agree. And, and, and because you know what, let's be honest, a house is, I know people are going to, uh, some people are going to look, look at me funny with this remark, but it's the truth. A house is nothing more than four walls with a bunch of walls inside. Mm. What makes it the difference is how people relate to that home and call it a home because they personalize it. Now, no, none of us as realtors are going to make somebody else personalize it. We're just showing them the houses. But why are we showing them? Because we built a relationship with them and they trust that we're going to be looking after them to help them see the vision. I agree. And that's why realtors need to take advantage of their MLS platforms, whether it be Treb or Omdreb or Mississauga, Burlington, you know, wherever your home board is is take advantage of the facts that you can write up a creative description. Um, you can create a home using you know, powerful words and meaningful um, um, sentences on what that home can mean to the next buyer. Take proper photography, right? Include the number of washrooms. Uh, you know, I, I just can't figure out why realtors are still taking photos with their mobile phone and uh, not using the description processes or the fields uh, on for the interior and the exterior. They're missing out on a lot of opportunity. When you don't do those things, uh, you are prohibiting yourself from receiving more calls for potential buyers and potential sellers. People are looking at you. Is there a video tour included? Is there a survey included? Is, are there schedules and attachments included? Is there a Matterport and a drone included? These are small investments that bring you more opportunity. So the more you invest in your real estate business, the more clients are going to be attracted to you and will call you for that uh, listing or buyer appointment. For sure, right? And I was going to get right on that too with the whole phone thing. It, it, it just boggles my mind. You know what I mean? Like, let, let's be honest, right? Our commissions are not, it's not like we're getting paid minimum wage, right? right? Like people already think, oh, what are we doing? Right now, when you go in with your phone and give them that crappy service, you're reinforcing their worry. Yeah. Oh, right? I love that line. You're reinforcing, yeah, exactly. Give them something where they're, they don't have to doubt the work that you do, right? Right. And that's the part I don't understand. I've heard people, oh, things are so expensive. And I'm sitting there going, I use the same services as you. Mm -hmm. They're not so expensive. For what we charge, they're, they're a value-added service. Right. Right. Like, and think, that's think, what we're delivering. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, for, for good photography and video, it, it is going to run you anywhere from $3.99 to $5.99. And then if you want a floor plan, which I, I really believe everybody should have added floor plans, you know, that's an additional 150 to 200. Uh, if you think about it, the initial investment of every single listing should be a minimum of $1,000. Without just for your photography, 
your floor plan and a video tour. And it, and it could be more depending on the square footage. But if you aren't prepared to spend that money and invest in your client, then you should not be in real estate. You need to invest in the proper processes if you're going to be a listing agent. If not, let someone else have the listing so they can do the job properly. That's just my personal opinion. I agree with you. Like I spend a thousand bucks on mine. I spend about 500 bucks on the, uh, on the media stuff. And then I spend 500 bucks on online ads. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, social media, monthly social media and reels, you know, these things are all in addition. Um, and if you know how to do them properly, then okay, do them yourself. But if not, start hiring the professionals because they will make you look like a superstar. Um, gone are the days when the listing will fly off a shelf in less than 24 hours for 500,000 over asking price. You need to start investing in your business. You, you know, you need to have a business card. You need to have a website. You need to have, you know, if people aren't using Linktree and putting some of their resources in their Linktree, oh my gosh, there's so many amazing tools out there that realtors could be using to totally elevate their presence in real estate. And, you know, you should be the superstar in your hyper-local community. Right, exactly. Now, which I'm going to get into CRMs here, like your thoughts mm. on that. I have a bit of a scoot thought. Like yeah, that I believe in. Your thought about. on CRM. Now, here's what I think. I think a CRM is a tool, but I don't think that's the resource you should be using as your only contact with your clients. I yeah. use my CRM more of a reminder to call. So it's less less of the automation. I mean, it's there. I still use the automation. I still get the flyers automatically sent. Sure. I still get the emails automatically sent. But sure. I have uh, triggers there that every so often it, it'll you know alert me that I have to make a call and uh, keep in touch with somebody. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, CRM is an interesting thing. Um, when we first started using CRM years and years and years ago, uh, you know, the the open rates were were quite good, but I find that this new generation is more social inspired. Um, when we send out emails through our email campaign to the Buzz Conference database, which is over twenty thousand, our open rate is almost uh, sixty seven. To 71 percent that's that's high very high yeah but if i send an email campaign uh from the way monday database it's come significantly lower than say if we were to post something on social media i find our impressions are always higher so we have to look at the analytics uh, the resources that we use, whether it's database, um, you know, social media, uh, YouTube video, you know, I see people doing YouTube videos, and they don't have a lot of views. But if they post it on their social media, the impressions are quite high. So impressions are always a great thing. Or I, here's an example too on Instagram, if you post a post, uh, it could have you know, 150 likes, but the impressions are over 4,400. Then if we share it through our story, it's double, right? Yeah. So you have to pay attention to the clues of where people are watching you. Where are the consumers, not other real estate agents, 
But where is the consumer watching you? And that's where you have to start and target more of your marketing strategies. Uh, for real estate agents, now let's talk about the word referrals. You know, referrals have dropped off the face of the earth unless it's cross provinces. Because I see more and more realtors now that are selling, uh, you know, out of their grid. They're, they're traveling. You know, Wayne during COVID was traveling to the Niagara region. Um, we had a few listings up there or, you know, St. Catharines or Welland. But I think referrals are going to start coming back now, okay? If we position ourselves as being, number one, a real a referral giver, but we also want to be receiving referrals, right? If we yes. don't know a particular market, we must refer to a specialist in that market. And if we don't refer, then at least team up with somebody who can help you um, with proper information, uh, because it could be quite costly. I know someone who's in a legal situation right now where he sold something that was on well or I don't know. A septic tank. And uh, made an error in the offer. But if you would have referred it to somebody who specializes in those areas, it 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 um, it, it won't it, it wouldn't be as costly as what's happening to them right now. So, you know, referrals is something that we should be speaking with realtors differently than we speak to the consumer right so if it's database um we should have a list for realtors and they shouldn't be receiving the same information we send to the consumer unless we're sending the consumer listings and we're sending real estate in that community listings as well because they might have buyers for those particular properties but i kind of got off topic there uh, I'm not sure where the uh, correlation was, but I, I did want to yeah. mention the the fact that referrals, I think, are something that is going to pick up and realtors should be on their best behavior on social media. Um, I know realtors who are, are doing a ton of business from referrals because how they present themselves and project themselves on social media. You know, are they fun? Are they engaging? Are they, um, you know, professional and, and, and business oriented? Do they know their community? You know, I take a look at, you know, James in the city and I have what has absolutely no hesitation to send a referral to Toronto, Tim, because I know he's going to have a fun concierge experience in downtown Toronto. He knows those communities inside and out. And, you know, those are the kind of people we need to pay attention to um, because they love what they do. Right. Absolutely. Now here, you brought up a good point that I, that I want to touch apart. And, and, and because I'll be honest, it's a trigger for me. It's uh, not, not like you said, James does Toronto downtown and he knows it well. And you know that, yes. right? Like now, for example, Wayne went to St. Catharines. Yes. Doesn't irk me at all because you know what? I know the amount of research he does. He'll find what he needs to know. He's good. He's just yeah. that good at it. But there's many people that will go to St. Catharines from Toronto and they're sitting there. They don't even know where the local Tim Hortons is, let alone where, where they are. If yeah. that's the case and you need a GPS just to find a bathroom, you yeah. really shouldn't be there. I know. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's the honest truth. And, you know, and I've noticed that now that things gotten slower, there's more people going out of their boundaries. I had, uh, I'm going to give you an example. I've had, uh, you know, because I said, most of my business is referrals. Right. Uh, and I've had people that referred me stuff and said, oh, I don't go past uh, just say Hamilton, right? Yeah. 
Right. And then all of a sudden I get a call. Hey, I'm in your area. Like I was in Niagara showing houses. So, you know, are you around? I'll pop by. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. Gosh. What happened? I don't go past Hamilton. Right. Well, what happens is their mortgage is due. They haven't had a sale in three months because yeah. of the change. And yeah. now they're uh, getting scared. So yeah. now they're doing stuff they shouldn't. And and, and, I and I know a lot of people that did that during COVID where, let's face it, John, I mean, our, we, our industry was in, in, in lockdown. So a lot of agents, including uh, ourselves, you know, we were uh, forced to travel outside of our grid uh, because we needed to make a sale. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it has nothing to do with being ashamed of that. But we do our research and we make sure that all of our I's are dotted and our T's are crossed when finding a property. And it's different when you have a client that will say, I do want you to help us find our home in um, in St. Catharines. Um, well, let, you know, let's refer you. We'll know we want to work with you. So, you know, when you hear those words, it's almost like, okay, they trust us. It's outside of our grid. So I'm going to have to do research. So it's going to the town. It's, you know, communicating with the local real estate board. It's maybe calling one of your mentors or connections in that area. I know for a fact that we would not travel outside of our grid now. We would refer the business because we need to get back to building our referral business with our strategic um, alliances across Ontario, Canada. And this is the thing, right? I don't have a problem with someone traveling. What irks me about it mm. is that they don't do the research, which is why I made it clear. I said, yeah. you know, Wayne went to St. Catharines, but he's probably going to know more than that listing agent does because he's just good at doing that research. Yeah. Right. And that, with that being said, For 25 it, years in the business, he's that's, so that's, attention to detail, so hands on with his clients. Right. And I noticed that. Right. And that's my point. So for him to do that, it's not a big deal because, you know, all aspects are covered or as much as possible. Right. Right. But there's so many people that are just sitting there going with Google Maps and says, well, Google Maps says I'm here, but it's not. And and it's yeah. like, you know what? It's supposed to be a reference point. You should get to know your research and know. Yeah, you know what I mean? You should know that there's a septic tank and not a well or right. not, a, you know, municipal yeah. water. Right? Exactly. Like that, that, that's that, that stuff you can even look up. It doesn't it's not like you have to be a genius to figure that out. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, and, and, and I think what triggered those decisions too, is when you looked in Oakville over the last two years, there were a lot of out of town agents listing here. Oakville is very popular. One of the most popular cities to move to, you know, we're by the lake. We've, we've got um, a vibrant downtown core, a lot of new pre-construction opportunities and new builds north of Dundas. Um, we have a lot of industry like the Ford plant and, you know, a, a lot of new companies that have opened up in Oakville and amazing schools. Right. So Oakville's become quite popular for international buyers as well as people moving east to west. And what we found was a lot of people were listing out this way that don't even live in Oakville. They were listing from as far as, you know, Scarborough, Oshawa, Niagara region, St. Catharines. And I thought, well, listen, if they're listing here, um, then I guess we can help our buyer in, in those regions too. Now, we, we don't travel past Mississauga, but anything that is Mississauga to the West End Niagara then we would 
we well we did take an opportunity and and we've had our own personal listings out in the niagara region as well so we know whether it's you know smithville uh hamilton um, Benbrook, right we we we've had properties in in those areas so we we've been there uh enough and i thank my father for that yeah and that makes sense dad. There we go. So it makes sense. And I, and I get that part, right? Like, like even for myself, being honest, I, I do Etobicoke. Like I know downtown, but I won't do it. I live, I live 40 minutes from Etobicoke and I still have my family there. Right. So that kind of makes sense for me to still be there because I'm going there for my family anyways. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Um, but downtown, why? Why? You know what I mean? Like no, there's so there's much a, business out there. Downtown, so many yeah. brands and names and Yeah. I mean, and that's I, the thing, I right? So you, you have to in the city, but there are exactly. you know, there, there's a lot of great agents down there. But you have to truly know um, and and select them based on the offerings that they can give to your client. So because you got to match the agent and the client together, make sure that the vibe is there, right? Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. and, that, and that's why I said I have like like for me, I'll be honest. I don't. I do Brantford. Because my niece moved out there. Once she moved right. out there, I got to know that because I'm always visiting her. Then I had a lot of uh, friends who left Mississauga to go to Brantford. And that's how I started with Brantford. And that's the only reason why I'll touch Brantford. But literally, Brantford. I'll do Brantford and Paris. Any right. other surrounding, like I, I won't go to Caledonia. I've never sold anything there. I've never been there. And I'm not even going to try. Yeah. If somebody wants that, I'll refer that out. Anywhere past that, I'll refer that out. I love um, it. And that's the thing. So that's the only reason why I touched Brantford is because a lot of people that I grew up with or family moved out there. So right. I'm always there anyway. So I got to learn it just because of proximity. Sure. Absolutely. Um, right. Niagara I, only, I only know Brantford because of hockey, because my youngest played AAA hockey and we were yeah. in Brantford quite a bit. Right. But I wouldn't say I know the real estate market. You know, real it's, estate's a tricky thing when 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 buyers are buying in pockets that they're unfamiliar with you really have to create you know how you do a cma for a yes, yes. seller when a buyer is buying something in unfamiliar territories you're almost responsible as a real estate agent to create a buyer's cma right yes. this is this is the area these are the streets this is the population this is these are the amenities these are the um you know, routes for, you know, highway and, 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 and easy and easy transportation. These are the schools. Uh, there's nothing like selling a home in a school district that is totally the wrong school district. And that's yeah. happened with realtors who have sold homes to buyers outside of their grid. So you, you have to create something in writing. You have to do the research. Listen, like you said, John, realtors, are compensated very nicely. Do the work. That's 100%. it. 100%. Just do the work. And I find now, uh, because the market has moved so swiftly, sometimes brokerages, well, I won't say sometimes because I know I'm, I'm coaching, you know, a few different agents from different brokerages right now, that their brokerages are failing them, right? There is no training. And now there are some brokerages that are actually charging agents for coaching. When Ridiculous. has that, when I've never heard of that before until this year. So, you know, real estate agents are, are kind of stuck in a place right now 
They need to have proper direction from their brokerages. Um, they need to ensure that brokerages have ongoing training and development. They need to make sure that their brokerages have a marketing team and a marketing office that can help them with their tangible and their digital marketing strategies. And they have to have a broker whose door is always open. And you, instead of asking questions on these Facebook pages, which I'm not a part of, go to your broker and ask your broker for the correct answer. Don't wait for a thread of opinions from realtors who are not even uh, at the height of their career. Yeah, that's true. Another personal opinion of mine. Well, here, here's another thing that I constantly see in those groups is the uh, constant complaint on the MLS on all, oh, you know, Toronto agents don't post on uh, the local board and then the, uh, the local, the, and vice versa, right? And now I get it. We want one MLS, but reality is we're not going to get that. We have what we have. We all say we're here for our clients and we'll do anything for our clients. So why are you letting a thousand dollars a year you know, dictate your mood over it. It's a thousand bucks. Get on both boards and get over yes. it. Yeah, I, right? I agree. I just recently became a member of um, Rep, the Mississauga Real Estate Board. I love their leadership. I love Nelson Goulart and, and Ray, their COO. They have an amazing foundation. They're great representation for their over uh, 2,500 members. Uh, you know, Wayne's a member of TREB the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board, you have to capitalize and use your resources from your local real estate boards, as well as your brokerages. There are amazing broker owners out there who, who are still connected to their people and are constantly innovating and ensuring that they have the resources and the current tools to serve their, their, their real estate agents. So if you're new, if you are a newer to the industry, or if you're looking for a change, you know, before you make any changes, go to your broker and have a conversation with them. You know, I get John, I get so many calls every day, Virginia, you know, what do I do? Do I leave my brokerage? Do I join a team? Do I get a part-time job? Do I get two part-time jobs? Or do I just leave real estate? You know, I can't compete. You can't be having these conversations with people that can't help you. You have to have the conversation with your broker. Your broker will help you. Your team leader will help you. Amazing team leaders out there. Like I, I look at some of the top teams in our industry. Oh my gosh, are we fortunate to have the caliber of team leaders that we have? I, I, I don't even want to mention their names because there's so many of them and I, I'm afraid I'm going to leave you know, a few out. But have these conversations. If, if you're stuck, if you're unsure, if you're feeling that you're a little mistreated or ignored, have those conversations with your brokers people. Call up and have a coffee with your team leader, with your partner, and iron things out. There's no sense in chit-chatting with other people um, about your personal business uh, situation. We yeah. have to get back to being a little more secretive in our business, right? Right now, we post everything online, how we feel. And um, I think we're in a time where we have to be careful because the more personal things you post, they can 
deflect your 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 place in right in right street that focuses on one thing only well maybe two no i get that can you sell I, my can you sell my house and how much can you sell my house for that's what you're there for the consumer can you help me buy a house and can you get me below asking price those are the only things the consumer wants you for so if you are stuck somewhere in your team or at your brokerage, then you must speak with those that can help you more. And those are your amazing brokers, your managers, or your team leaders. Don't have discussions with anyone else. And certainly don't post an opinion uh, on online, on, on, on Facebook or Instagram. Well, here's the thing, right? The last thing I'm going to touch upon in terms of the brokerages, where you go does matter. And I'll give you an example. Like, it's no secret. I've tried a few brokerages. I've uh, gone to a few. Most of them had to be to proximity to where I live. Right. And less about the brokerage. And um, I was with a couple of really good ones. I'm not going to say they weren't good. But I somehow end up back at Signature all the time. I, I can't seem to leave it. They have great leadership at Signature. I love right. those guys. Yeah. Is, and I'll tell is you Sam now. Your, is Sam your, uh, your, your broker there at Signature? Sam is there. Sam is on the uh, Don Mills location. I'm based yes, out of the Mississauga. Mm-hmm. But great where people. I'm going with this is that it's choosing a brokerage has to be more than a, a split or a cost. Now, I'll tell you now, like I left a brokerage where I've never paid so little and with still with a brand name. Right. Right. Like, I mean, if somebody knew my deal there, they'd be like, whoa, I can't believe you're with that brand and you paid that. But culture is something. Sometimes you have to be able to relate to the people there. Sometimes it's what are they providing you? And that makes the difference. I mean, there's a lot of good brokerages out there, but you got to jive. And and if you're not jiving, that is. My, it goes beyond money. I'm paying more at Signature than the last two brokerages I with. I was with. Right. But you're getting I, you're you're getting more. I mean, I I've, that's I've, exactly I've seen it. and heard. You know, some of their conferences that they have. Their locations are absolutely outstanding. They have great training and development. Um, you know, they've they've got a lot of things in place, and they're part of real estate. They're part of the industry. Uh, there's there's a lot of brokerages out there that have so much, but realtors have to remember they have to look and research ways to utilize the power of that brand. What are their offerings? Do they have a luxury division? Do they have a pre-construction division? Do they have a rookie training? Do they have a marketing team? Like these are, these are things that you have to explore. You pay for it. So take total advantage and elevate your presence using these resources. It's as simple as that, right? And exactly. don't stay at home. I don't, don't be a work at home agent, get dressed, go to the office and get to work. There is nothing like going to the office every single day. You feel great. You feel accomplished. Um, there's people in the office, you know, now, and I just think there's, you can contribute and you can receive a lot more by, by being present. For sure. So with that being said, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about the uh, Buzz Conference. Sure. So we know where you've been. We know yeah. you, you, you've done a couple of events at the uh, Living Arts. Uh-huh. Um, you've had a uh, 
some new stuff happened where you used, I believe, not Liberty Grand. What was it again? Yeah, it was uh, Liberty Grand. We had yeah. our pre-summer celebration and philanthropy initiative, Buzz Bash 22. It was in our it was our inaugural event. And we supported Indigi Fund, which was founded by Kendall Netmaker, who is uh, author of um, Driven the Ultimate Resiliency Formula. He's an Indigenous entrepreneur from Saskatoon, and we hosted a silent auction. Uh, we still have a few items that we're waiting to collect for, as well as one um, artwork that we're auctioning off on our social media. We're reposting it today. I think we're over $450 just for that one item. Um, but, you know, our totals are coming in slowly and we're looking forward to continue to support Indigifund. And for anyone that wants to support them, it's Indigifund.com. You can make your personal contribution and donation online. I-N-D-I-G-I-F-U-N-D.com. Yeah, so we just hosted that at Liberty Grand um, this uh, this month, or no, it was uh, June twenty fourth, June twenty yeah. fourth, and it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. We had international foods. We we made it we made it so that we were again practicing diversity and inclusion, equity and belonging, and everybody had a really great time, and everyone was dressed in white, so that made it a little fun. Yeah, exactly. It's. Uh different and it's unique so i like that Thanks. so my question to you is like what was the inspiration behind the buzz conference and how did you come up with the name like how did it come together well you know we've been hosting conferences over the last 10 12 years um you know i've always had amazing people part of our organizing committees and you know we've just we've just collaborated about 12 15 years ago my daughter painted something for me and it was a boot and she put down Buzz because I had an Instagram page uh, called Virginia's Buzz. And when we redid the, um, the, the marketing and the brand with Spin uh, out of Milton, we did Virginia's Buzz, which focused on hyper-local uh, community buzz. So anything that was you know, about the school districts, about the shopping, our downtown core, our sports and recreation, our, our government and, and, and political contributions in Oakville. Every, everything that we shared was related to Virginia's buzz. But, you know, buzz is, is, it can change again. You never know. Right now we're working under Buzz Buzz Media Inc. And my daughter is the president of that company, Bella Munden. Um, and she's doing a great job with the Buzz Digital Magazine. We'll have to feature you, John, in the Buzz Digital Magazine next. Uh, she's honored. doing a great job with the event space. She organizes all of our venues and our, um, our space and our marketing. Um, and we're looking forward to see what's next. What's next. We do have a couple of uh, events coming up, but you'll have to wait for them. Ah, I was trying to get it out of you there. <laughs> One of them is going to be really cool. Could change the narrative and the direction um, for our industry and surrounding industries. Well, that's very interesting. Definitely. Like, I, I love this. I love this. I mean, like, like I said, you, you guys put together really great events and uh, it's the power of networking is just a whole new level of business. I think it's yes. the way to get to know people. It's the way that they get to know you. And you can build uh, trust there. And I think that's the best way to build brand. I mean, social media is important, but yeah. people really get to know you and build their loyalties once they talk to you. 
Thank you. And if I can give a shout out, um, Aria is having their 100 year anniversary this year in 2022. And as you know, the reality event that took place in 2020, just after the buzz conference in January was amazing. And that was in Niagara Falls. But this November 22nd and 23rd, I believe Aria is having their reality event in um uh, Beansfield at the CNE in downtown Toronto. And I encourage everyone to attend reality. Their early bird tickets are $7.99. And after the early bird tickets are sold out, I believe the ticket sales go to uh, $1,100. But it's a powerful two-day event with sessions jam-packed with some of our leaders in the industry, as well as some surprise special guests from around the world. And I encourage everyone to attend the reality event on November 22nd and 23rd. We're gonna be there and you should too. Fantastic. Now, I'm gonna ask you one more question before I go into what I call a lightning round. Okay. And how do you know you've had a successful day? When I know my kids are safe and happy. Love that one. So now just a little fun round. Okay. Like, so first question is going to be, what is your favorite food and why? Italian. Come on, because I'm half Italian, half Brazilian. So Italian is my favorite. I love a great plate of gnocchi and a burrata cheese. Oh, very good. Those are delicious for sure. Mm -hmm. You make your own or do you have a particular spot that you like to go? Oh my get gosh, I wish I could make my own gnocchi. No, but my mom does. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. My mom did. And she used to try to teach me, but. No, I wasn't nobody taking makes, it. <laughs> nobody makes them like mom and nonna, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, favorite vacation spot? Italy. Oh, interesting. How, how many times have you been there? Too many. Oh, Not okay. too many, I should say. Not too many. I'm taking Wayne this year, which will be fun. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, and, that's... And pre-COVID, pre I took my kids. So it was it was a really nice journey. And interesting enough is all three of my kids enjoy the small towns uh, versus Rome, which is more like um, Toronto or New York, right? Yeah. Of the small villages because they've never experienced uh, that type of lifestyle or that type of home setting before ever, you know, mountains and rivers and dirt roads and cobblestone walkways and churches in the middle of the piazza. So my kids loved and appreciated experiencing that over, over Rome. Yeah, yeah, I remember that too when I went. The uh, small cities were is definitely where the experiences are coming from. I agree. So I, I mean, I came from the small city technically, not me personally because I was born here, but my parents and my siblings were born there. Oh right. So cool. it, it was interesting. I've been there. Where, when I was where, where's your mom from? So uh, both my mom and dad were from a city called Campley, which is part of a, another a bigger thing called Teramo. Oh, Ted and, okay. Yeah. Nice. So, and I remember that. Yeah. So it was funny. Here's a funny story for you. Okay. My cousin came to uh, Canada, like uh, to visit. And I remember it's like, I, I met him in Italy. He's never been, he, you know, I've never met him before I went to Italy. And I remember one time we were, we, he was into records and DJing like I was back in the day. Mm -hmm. And we went to the record store with me, like, and we were driving around the 401. And, you know, they don't have traffic there like they have it here. Right. So I looked and he's going, what's going on there? What's happening? He, like, he couldn't figure it out. And I said, there was an accident. He goes, yeah, but why are they stopping? Because there's an accident. He goes, yeah, and we have accidents all the time. Grab the car, <laughs> throw it off the cliff and move on. <laughs> right? Like, he just was baffled that people would stop because there was yeah. an accident. <laughs> I, so, 
I've seen that too. It's different culture for sure. Um, what is your favorite podcast? I think there's a lot of great podcasts out there. I had a lot of fun with you today. So let's say the John Papaloni show. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, there's a lot of great podcasts out there. You know, truthfully, John, if I stumble upon an excerpt on um, on Facebook or Instagram, I'll listen to it. But I don't normally, um, you know, kind of log in and listen to a one hour podcast. I wish I had that that kind of time. But sometimes I'll go to a social media page, like I'll go to yours and I'll press play and I'll and I'll listen or David Greenspan, you know, I'll press play because, you know, we're often sponsors of, you know, of David's uh, show as well. Um you know, there's, there's a lot of podcasts out there. People, people have to, if they're looking for resources, they should maybe ask a question on Facebook and say, you know, what are some podcasts that are your favorite that I could use for learning or mentoring? I know Level Up with Katie and uh, Daniel from, from On the Block Realty is also quite good. But I, I, I think some of my favorite podcasts are non-real estate related that I, I like to listen to as well, because we learn so much from each other that that that's enough for me. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. I get yeah. that. Um, but I am very happy with my interview with you today. You're awesome. Thank you. My and I, my final two questions. One is what is, uh, do you like to read and like what, what would be your uh, most memorable book? Yeah, I, I do like to read. One of the last books that I read was Atomic Habits. Oh, yes. And yeah, because, you know, we went through two years of lockdown and we developed some good habits and some bad habits. Uh, I think that we can learn a lot from the books we read. I have, you know, have a, a lot of a lot of different books. But for those that are looking for, you know, one that can help them with like marketing strategies or branding. Uh, my One of my all-time favorites is Purple Cow by Seth Godin. Right. And I also love um, the book Kiss, Bow, and Shake Hands, which teaches you the art of negotiation with all international cultures and backgrounds. That's a really good one. And then one of my all-time favorites, which I probably read um, a dozen times, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a repeat book just to keep me in my element, is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. So those are those are some of my favorites. That's interesting. I've never heard the last one before. Yeah. That's, the Four um, Agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz. Perfect. Now, the last question is going to be... Um, what are your favorite social media platforms? And is there one out there that you think just needs to disappear? I think Facebook needs to disappear for a bit. I don't go on. The only time I go on is if I get a DM or a, um, a text, um, a DM on Instagram or an email. Oh, I sent you a message on Facebook. You didn't reply. So I'll go to Facebook and I'll check. And if I log on and uh, I, I see a couple of posts there, um, I'll comment or, or like, um, but I really just go there to check my messages. I, I don't find anything important on, on Facebook um, when it's a, an opinion piece. I, I do see now, I mean, I've been on, on Facebook now for almost 12 years. So what I'm starting to see now are 
some of my good friends having children or, uh, or uh, grandchildren or their children are having children or their children are getting married. I'm also seeing, um, you know, reading some of my good friends where a parent is ill or a parent has passed away. Those are the type of posts that I take time to read and thoughtfully comment to make sure that they know that I'm still there for them. Um, everything else I just find totally irrelevant in my life right now. So I try to avoid uh, as Facebook as much as I can. Um, I know, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm getting older. Maybe, you know, being in my 50s, um, I've, I've come to realize that people don't need to know what's happening in my life. Um, I keep those things private right now. Um, and, and to answer your question, I still like Instagram, but we only use it for the buzz conference for buzz, buzz media and for Munden Realty Inc. Um, I no longer have personal pages on Instagram. Makes sense. Makes sense. I kind of try to, uh, use mine for my personal one for everything. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my, my mom has Facebook, so I have to keep my Facebook for my mom. I, I, I like to see what she's up to every once in a while when I don't visit her and she's like five minutes away from me anyways. That's funny. Yeah. Um, makes sense. So I want to say thank you for being on the show. This has been incredible. It was, you know, it's one of those things I could talk to you all day, but I know. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you, John. No, thank you so much. You know, you're, you're, you're a hard worker. Um, I love that you are consistent with your podcast and communicating with our industry. Uh, if there's anything that we can do for you, I'll get Isabella to send me to send you um, a an email from me and and from Buzz Buzz Media, and maybe you can you can do an editorial on what it takes to be a consistent voice through your bot through your podcast. I was going to say through your Absolutely. podcast, through your podcast, which <laughs> you you've been so um, you know gracious to have me as your guest today. Thank you. Absolutely, looking forward to all of it. If you like what you saw and you want to get, see more, subscribe to the link below.